0: Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 84. This is the Word of God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies! I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young near your altars, Lord of armies. My King and my God, How happy are those who reside in your house who praise you continually, Selah. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. Lord, of, Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob, Selah. Consider our shield, God. Look on the face of your anointed one. Better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked people. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of Armies.
1: Thanks, John. I always hate following him. My little squeaky. (laughs) hand. A few months back when uh, John and I were discussing today's uh, passage and thinking about going into the 90s with the Better Is One Day song, when we were thinking about going into the 90s, we were thinking about the decade and not the temperature. (laughs) But here we are, right? Uh, Before we get started, I want you to... I do this every time, and hopefully you guys are getting used to this for a minute, but I want us to really, like, recenter our focus for just a minute, and so I want you to plant both feet flat on the floor, put your hands in your lap, just sit comfortably, and we're just going to take a few deep breaths, and then we're going to focus our attention on the scriptures and what God has for us today for just a moment. Let's just be in his presence in silence. How many of you find that very awkward you can raise your hands there's a couple I always found it very awkward myself because in our society in the western culture um, probably globally uh, and scientifically speaking not as a scientist but it's to say that vacuums uh, love to be filled voids love to be filled and so we have a tendency when we sit in silence like that, preparing our hearts, our minds, we have this tendency to need to fill that silence. You ever just sat with somebody awkwardly, just like looking at them? You're like, okay, don't make this weird, man. This is... Yeah, we just get really, it's tough for us sometimes to, to feel that way. So today we're gonna be in Psalm 84. If you've got your Bibles with you, whether that's electronically or in its physical paper form, um, I want you to get those out. We're gonna study the Bible, it's good to have it with us. Today we're gonna be talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord. We've been singing about it, we've been talking about it all morning. Uh, It's about being in the presence of God. And as we look at this psalm, uh, just to kind of give you some background on this so that you can really hear what the psalmists are saying here. This is, uh, as the scripture tells us, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Now remember last week, if you were here last week or you heard last week's sermon, Aaron also preached uh, from a passage that was a, song of the sons of, a psalm of the sons of Korah. And he talked briefly about Korah and his rebellion against Moses. And how God swallowed up Korah and all of his possessions. You remember that? The scripture, though, tells us, uh, if you get into uh, the book of Chronicles, that the sons of Korah, so the descendants of Korah, were not swallowed up. There were some of those that remained, a remnant, uh, one of which was a very famous person. His name was uh, Samuel, the prophet, might have heard of him. And so, when we get into the by the book of of Chronicles, when they're talking about this, the sons of Korahs had duties uh, that included managing the temple flow at the uh, gate—who was coming, who was going, what they were uh, bringing—just making sure that everything that was had been set aside for the work of the temple was being used in the temple, and everything that was common was not being used. Uh, because we also learned in the book of Leviticus, if something common or strange comes into God's presence, bad things happen for those folks and for those items, right? And so that was kind of their deal. So if you, if you to as he read, he said, uh, as John read for us, uh, that it's better to, be, uh, to stand in the gates or to be a doorman in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked, So when you think about these descendants of Korah, whose um, uh, ancestors had created this rebellion and then, uh, you know, been uh, swallowed up by the earth and so forth. And so they had a real respect and a reverence for what was happening in the house of the Lord. And they said, I would rather be a doorman in God's house than to be uh, dwelling in the tents of the wicked. And so I think that that's a, a sentiment that we could all agree with. I don't know about you, and I don't know how uh, heaven and eternity, it all is going to work and function. I don't know if we're going to be uh, angels with wings or giant heads with wings or what, what, I don't know what we're going to be, uh, whatever that perfected body is, but I know that I would rather be the lowest person scraping gum off the bottom of every desk at every school in eternity than to be... Uh, the highest uh, in anywhere else. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you find that same sentiment for yourself? Some of you are like, I've never thought about that. Where did you hear that we were going to be giant heads with wings? I don't know. So when we connect this all back to Leviticus, which has been a really great series. And if you haven't heard all of those sermons, you need to go to the, um, the podcast or go to the YouTube channel and listen to every one of those sermons from the book of Leviticus. Uh, they're really good and really powerful. But you remember, as we've been talking about it, uh, as we're studying Le- uh, Leviticus, that the tabernacle or the tent of meeting uh, is where God's presence was. And later, after the, the tabernacle was taken down and the temple was built That was the dwelling place of God. And the only way to get in there was through the sacrifices, uh, and then you become morally and ritually pure, and that allows you to live or to abide in the presence of God. And so that's what we're going to discuss today is being in the presence of God. And I want you to understand that sometimes when we speak about the presence of God, we do so as if he's in some distant place, disconnected from us. Thinking about perhaps the statement uh, where Jesus said, um, if any two are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Have you heard that one before? Right? I don't know. Maybe this is me and I'm just a weirdo. And that's 100% possible. But when, you, when I hear something like that, where two or three are gathered in the midst, there I am. I am in the midst where two or three are gathered. That makes me think just cognitively that if I'm not with another believer, then I'm not in his presence. Have you ever heard it that way? Maybe I'm just weird. Even the passage that we read where Jesus, and these are very comforting words to us, you know, he says, don't don't worry. He said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. So then the presence of God is someplace other than where we are. And so this morning we're going to take a look at, as we always do, uh, that um, this is all about Jesus. And so sometimes we wrongly assumed that we're not in his presence. And we uh, got to remember the one thing that's never changed from Leviticus to this present day is that we can't go in the presence of God without being morally and ritually pure. And so you say to yourself, I know I'm not morally or ritually poor, pure, so how am I going to get into the presence of God? Well... I'm glad you asked. Because of Jesus, we are always in the presence of God. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I want you to understand that the key element of everything that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to be jumping back into this psalm and talking about elements of that. We're going to talk about some stuff from the New Testament. But ultimately, what I want you to understand is this, and always keep this in your mind. It is because of Jesus... We are always in God's presence. So let's take a look here. The first thing that we need to see from this passage that shows us these things, and I'm going to be talking about some very pragmatic items, uh, things that we can do and think and be, but I want you to understand that it's not the exterior stuff that we're doing that makes us in the presence of God. It's the exterior stuff in doing that form and that practice that allows us to be aware of what we already are. Do you follow that? It's tough. It's deep. You don't, get, you don't have to become in, any, in his presence or in his anything. This is not in my notes, so we're, we're going to go on a rabbit trail. I just saw one run, and we're going to chase it. Romans chapter 8 tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means exactly what it says. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You said, Yeah, but I do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and God knows about it, and Christ paid for it, and it's already been forgiven. You just need to forgive it to keep it clean between you and God so that you can have that conversation relationship. There is no condemnation. We walk around all of our lives, this really isn't in the sermon. We walk around all of our lives in this kind of shame rag that we wear around, that we are these worthless, lower than dirt, pitiful, all of that. And you know what? All of those things are true. But you know what else? You are a saint called of God, called out of darkness into light and into life. And what we have to do is we have to recognize that. That's not something that you become. That's something that God did to you. For you, Are you following me? Okay, let me get back into the sermon. The first thing we've got to do that we see here in the passage is we have to seek God's presence. So Jesus said this. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Right? Again, because we're rational thinkers, we have a tendency to think about seeking the kingdom of God and what that means in seeking God's kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, and we start putting things to it. Like, I've got to come to church on Sunday morning. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray. I've got to meditate on Scripture. I've got to sit in silence and solitude. I need to fast. I need to Sabbath. All of those things are true, right? Right? But those are the external forms of what we do seeking the kingdom of God is seeking in the presence of God I'm going to give you a silly illustration that'll kind of give you the whole picture and then we'll dive in a little deeper I uh, MJ and I have been married for 30 years going on 31 thanks yes we beat the national average you're welcome When we were first dating, this is really gross. And you guys are going to be like, oh, whatever. That's what I think about it now. When we were dating, like we would go to a park, you know, like over in Edmonds or something. Or I had a 71 Mustang, so we would park down at uh, Makotio Lighthouse and things like that. And we would just sit and just like gaze into each other's eyes, trying to dig deep into our souls and just all of, ugh, just, you know. <laughs> But we, we were so desirous of just being in each other's presence, right, that that's what we were doing. Now, I hate to report this to you, but now a lot of times we'll sit in the same room. She's on her tablet. I'm on my phone. The TV's going. The, the boys are back and forth. And, and we're still together, but we're not paying attention to each other necessarily. That's what happens with God. You see, he hasn't left you. He's still sitting right there. You're just not aware of his presence. Maybe because you're on your phone. As Aaron says, throw it in the lake. So seeking the presence of God. The first thing that we need to understand about that, in verse number one, it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. Now let's bring it to the 21st century. Who talks like that? Right? We've got a few real estate agents in the church. Have you ever sold it by saying, Look, how lovely is this dwelling place? <laughs> we don't say stuff like that. The word lovely here, and I'm no Hebrew scholar, I looked this up on the internet, so it's got to be true, is the Hebrew word yadid. Yadid means the beloved, the beloved. Now I want you to think about that for a second. When you think of the word, the beloved, who is your beloved? Right? All of you in your mind, you just went super spiritual. You're like, well, God's my beloved. That's good. We also have beloveds here on the earth, right? Right. I would say that MJ is my beloved, right? You may say that about your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever relationship you're in. Maybe you have a dog that is your beloved, whatever you got going on, the beloved. So the scripture, when it proclaims how lovely is your dwelling place, the dwelling place of the Lord is the beloved. It's being in his presence. David said in in the the Psalm that we read earlier, he said, there's one thing that I ask and that's just to be in your presence. So in other words, we're speaking to motivation here. Why do I wanna be in the presence of God? Because he's beloved to me. He is my beloved. Secondly, the second part of that verse, in verse number two, he says, I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. So not only is that dwelling place the beloved, but we need to long to be in his presence. We are longing to be in his presence. Our soul longs, even faints for his presence. You ever felt that kind of a longing? you guys may not know this, I don't write these illustrations down, they just kind of come to me in my brain, so you'll just have to forgive me. Remember, 30 years ago, MJ and I were dating, she's gonna hate this whole thing when she hears it later. Uh, I was in the army, stationed at uh, Fort Lewis, which is now JBLM. And I wanted to be in her presence so bad that I actually forsook my duties and ended up with an Article 15 and got busted down two pay grades because I wanted to be in her presence. Right? That's a longing to be in her presence. Do we feel that for God? Are you willing to forsake your earthly duties and take whatever punishment comes your way To be in the presence of God. Think about that. Lastly, on seeking God, he says, the second part of that verse, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Heart and flesh. You see, the two parts of all humans, there is the physical, this being, and then there is the spiritual, that which is not physical right? The physical and the metaphysical. All of that is connected divinely by God who created you. And in doing so, uh, we have this holistic thought process. My heart and my flesh cry out. And what happens there is, is that being in the presence of God, everything, my whole being, every part of my essence wants to be in the presence of the Lord. And, it's so, and I'm so thankful and glad and excited to be in the presence of my beloved that I cannot help but sing and praise his name. Now we think about that a lot in this context, right? We have a, a group of very talented people that come up here and help us to sing the praises of God. But have you ever just in the middle of your week Just been so uh, enamored with the fact that God uh, sent his son to die on the cross for you that you just broke out in song praising his name? You said, No, that's weird. That's what he's telling us. My heart and flesh cries out to be in your presence. So again, we're talking about motivation. Do you seek to be in the presence of God? Remember, you're in the same room. He's not going anywhere. But are you paying attention to him, seeking after his presence? Secondly, we need to express God's presence. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. In in two places, he says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in one place, he's talking about us collectively as the church. The temple of the Holy Spirit. And in another place, this passage that I'm going to read for you right now, 1 Corinthians 6, he's talking specifically about our physical bodies. Paul writes and says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. So not only are we going to seek after his presence, but we're going to express his presence. Remember when Jesus was with the woman at the well and she asked some very specific questions like, hey, are we supposed to worship on the mountain or are we supposed to worship in Jerusalem? You remember what Jesus says to her? He says, there's coming a day and now is when we will worship God in spirit and in truth, neither in the mountain nor in the temple because God is the spirit. Now, that's a paraphrase, but that's essentially what he said. And so we're in our lives as we're walking around seeking God's presence, we need to be expressing God's presence. And we find that here in the passage, too. I said it this way, and I want you to understand what I'm saying, is that in expressing God's presence, we will make bad times good. Now, here's what I mean by that. We will make bad times good. Number one, it's not us. And number two, I'm not talking about circumstances. Because you can be joyful in the midst of suffering. And as a matter of fact, James tells us that we should take all joy in these times of suffering and tribulation. And, so, and that's not popular. Nobody wants to hear that. But you know, when we suffer, we grow. Right? No amens from that one. Okay. Okay. We make bad times good. Here's a quote from uh, Hope Bollinger, who's a, a writer, and she says, "We have become a meeting place between heaven and earth to bring other people into commune with God." Do you follow that? So, if God's indwelling us and He's with us and we are His in His presence and we're seeking after that as we walk around this earth, expressing God's presence, we become this place, this moment, this time where other people are experiencing God by his power through us as the vessel in which he is dwelling. I want you to understand it's not our, it's not us that is making these bad times good. It is God that is taking care of that. And I don't mean he's changing circumstances. I mean, he's changing hearts and minds. Do you follow me? Because your circumstances may not change, but God is still good. He is good all the time. The passage speaks here of the Valley of Baca or Baca. And some translations will actually translate that word and call it the Valley of Tears. So we are then told that those that are on pilgrimage, as they go through the Valley of Baca, which the Valley of Tears, if you just think about that, that's just life, right? Right? as they go through that it says they make it a spring right he says as they pass through the valley of baca they make it a source of spring water even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings again it's not what we're doing it's the fact that we're in that space and god is in that space and god is moving through us makes bad times good secondly on that it says I'm going to say it this way. We start in strength and we end in strength. Verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength. Whenever, when, I, whenever I would read that in the past, I never really understood what that means. From grace to grace, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Do you know what that's really all talking about? You ever started a hike? You guys like to hike? We're going hiking here soon. I say we like I'm going to go. <laughs> you gotta does it have a wheelchair ramp because about halfway i'm gonna when you go on a hike when you start out you're there in the morning you fueled up you're fresh you're ready to go you don't have blisters on your feet there's no hot spots you've got a full water pack everything's ready to go you're in strength and then you walk up that hike all the way up to that mailbox for some reason leave your little trinket and then on the way back down, when you get to the bottom, you're no longer in strength. Your water pack is empty. You got hot spots. You're wanting to pull those shoes off and let those feet breathe and do all the things that you're supposed to do. So that goes from strength to weakness. What the writers here in, the, in this uh, psalm are telling us is that we go, the, those, those that are seeking and expressing God's presence go from strength when they start and they end in strength. Not by our power. You've got to hear it. It's not us that's doing this. It is God through Christ that is doing these things. We start in strength. We end in strength. And then the second half of that verse, it says this. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in strength. Zion. So as we're expressing God's presence, we're making bad times good. We're starting in strength and we're ending in strength. And listen, we are assured of his presence. Now I want you to think about this for a second. The temple is where God dwells with his people throughout the biblical story, right? And so if the, if the people of God are his temple, that means that it is through these people that God reaches the world, In the ancient world, people traveled to Jerusalem, to the temple, and it was a great, magnificent building. Solomon built one of the greatest temples, and if you read what it looked like, it was covered in white alabaster, mortar was gold, all of this thing. In the middle of that desert, on top of that high mountain, as high as Zion is, Jerusalem is above everything else, that had to be a shining beacon, literally drawing people to that area. But now, in our times... God's presence is in us. And as his presence is in us, then people aren't going to a location. We are going to a people. You see, Joel Schumacher says this. The temple is where God dwells with his people throughout the biblical story. So if the people of God are the temple, that means it is through these people that God reaches the world. In the ancient world, people traveled from far and wide to encounter God at the temple in Jerusalem. Now the people of God are the temple and take God's presence to the world. If the people are the temple, then they must make his glory known to all the nations from now until Jesus returns. We are expressing God's presence. And then finally, we're going to rest in God's presence. Paul writes this to the third to the church at Thessalonica. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You ever asked yourself this question, what is God's will for my life? You ever asked it, you can raise your hands. Nobody. We're in church, man. How do you You're just like I know what God's will for my life is. Here's one essence of it. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. This is God's will for you, right? And so when we're resting in God's presence, thinking about rejoicing always, praying constantly, and give thanks in everything. Uh, The writer of the the book, I really love this, verse 8. He says, Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob. Consider our shield, God, and look on the face of your anointed one. These are the two verses, verse 8 and 9. I want you to see what he's saying. First, he's saying, Lord God of armies, he's like, "Please, please, please hear us. Hear our prayers. Hear our prayers. But then he knows that he is not worthy. So he says, don't look at me, though. Look at your anointed one. You see, there's a, there's something that's being shown here is that remember we said earlier about being wretched and all those things and all of that's really true. And so how do we get in the presence of God? It's because of what Christ did for us. And so when we walk in, this is an illustrative thing. I'm not saying that this is reality. When we walk into his presence, when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus in us. And so we are able to be in his presence. And so what we're asking here is we're like, we're not worthy of anything that we ask of you, but please hear our prayer. But look to Jesus. And if, because we know you love Jesus and we know he's awesome. So please look to him and prayerfully answer my prayer on his, in his name on our behalf. Does that make sense? Now we're going to get kind of deeper in this stuff when we rest in it. So we say, hear my prayer, but look on Jesus. The writer is asking God to hear him, but to look to Jesus, because we don't have what it takes. Here's the, the, the verse that we love. Better is a day that I love. Better is a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wicked People, it's better to be lowly with God than to be elevated with man. We sang the song earlier. Better is one day in His courts. I'd rather be the doorkeeper in the presence of God than in the tents of wicked. This is a mindset where we can rest in this, right? Because we do walk around in that robe of shame, and that's something that we can work on uh, in our in the renewal of our minds, as Paul uh, describes for us in. Romans chapter 12, but in doing so, we have to remember that, listen, I'd rather be as bad as I can possibly be, but still be in the presence of God than have anybody in this world say that I'm anything great or anything awesome, right? And then look at verse number 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, the Lord grants favor and honor And he does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. I said about this that God is our provision and our protection. Even when we walk through the valley of tears, God is providing and protecting us. And we don't always see it for what it is. Because we have an idea in our minds about what that means. Provision and protection. And that goes back to that concept of getting what you need, not getting what you want, right? But God is our provision and our protection. All right, so you know I always like to leave you with something practical because we're practical people and we have to have practical stuff, something that you can do tomorrow morning and it'll be very practical and you'll forget all of this ethereal Uh, I'm always in God's presence business and you'll need something to hang your hat on. So here comes some practicals. How to be happy or how to be blessed. This could have been the sermon all in itself right here. So I'm gonna move quickly through it. And I know it's warming up. Number one, how to be happy. You gotta abide in God's house. Abide in God's house. You say, what in the world does that mean? It's about being in the presence of God. And what we're talking about here is nothing short of extraordinary. This is supernatural, right? We can be pragmatic all we want and it'll make us good people and uh, we can you know, give to the poor and do all of those things. But if we're not doing it in his name, in his presence, under his power... We are no different than uh, the Country Club or the VFW or any other organization that helps people. Do you follow me? So when we abide in God's house, it means that everything that we do, and Paul wrote this and said, everything that you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. So every aspect of our life, you're washing dishes, do it in the presence of God. Whatever it is that's your work and your labor every day, do it in the presence of God. Making him a part of everything that you do. That's what Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. When we hear that, we go, oh man, I got to just pray 24-7. How am I going to have a conversation with somebody? It's about being in his presence and being in relationship with him. Abide in his house. Secondly, we've got to praise God continually. Verse 4 says, how happy are those who reside in your house who praise you continually. I want you to notice that at the end of this verse, he says, how happy are you that you reside in the house? who praise you continually. And then we have that word, "Sela, pause, take a deep breath, bring that in. How do I abide in God's house? How do I praise God continually? Not only with my words, but with my actions. How do I live and walk and express his presence? Verse five says, happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. The third thing about being practical, how to be blessed or how to be happy is that we need to rely on his strength. Now, this, this is, I'm going to, uh, we used to say this, uh, if your toes get stepped on here, it's because they're out in the aisle. <clears throat> and here's what I mean by this. Most of us, church collect, churches collectively, this church as a body, us as individuals, if we are not careful and diligent We will do a lot of good things in our own power. Not in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say, so what's wrong with that? Do you remember what Jesus said to those folks that came to him and said, but Lord, Lord, we've done so many things in your name. Do you remember what his response to that is? He says, depart from me. You workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So we've got to re- rely on his strength. It can't be in our power. If we do, we're gonna fail every single time. Every single time. Next, I said we gotta be on pilgrimage. Remember seeking God's pilgrimage? Here's it. Pilgrims are headed someplace. Because where they're at is not where they're supposed to be. And there's someplace else that they need to go. You ever heard, this is from a song, I think. It's old. Maybe I need to come to the seniors thing. But he said this, this the, the lyric is, this song is, this, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Right? That's the way we need to express and, and feel this. Yeah, this whole world we live, and that doesn't mean that we don't need to address situations that are going on in our world. God calls us to justice and all of those kinds of things. But ultimately, all of this is of naught. Don't hang on too tightly. All of this will be burned up at some point. And then we will be physically and spiritually in his presence. So be on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage. Finally, if you want to be happy, verse 12 tells us, happy is the person who trusts in you, Lord of armies. The one thing I know is that there is nothing that I can do to make myself right with God so that I can be in his presence continually. I can't work hard enough. I can't pray hard enough I can't do good enough. I can't do any of those things. So I am gonna put my trust in Jesus because he said that as a follower of him, as his disciple, that he will never leave me and he will never forsake me. And so I'm gonna take him at his word and I'm gonna put my trust in him. So how is all of this possible? How do we do what we do? How do we seek God, express his presence, rest in his presence? How do we do all of those things? It's not by our power. It's not by our might. Not by our seeking and searching. It's only possible for us to be in the presence of God because of the completed work of Christ on the cross. You see, as Billy Graham once said, there's a God that loves you and a Jesus that died for you, and if you'll repent of your sins and trust him as Lord and Savior, you too can spend an eternity with him. That's the key. You want to be in the presence of God. You want to experience the presence of God. You want to express the presence of God. It starts, continues, and ends with the person of Jesus Christ and the work that he did on the cross and for us to open our eyes and realize that he has already done the work in you. You just have to be in his presence because there's nothing you can do anyway. As we go into and transition into the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, musicians can start making their way this this way i want you to understand that the things that we do here this morning expressing and walking and worshiping god here in this place as we dwell in the house of the lord and a lot of times we speak about this building as being in god's house but the reality of it is is that god indwells us and wherever we go he is in us and he is our he is the dwelling place as we move around this place What we're going to celebrate here is the Lord's Supper. And in doing so, we're going to celebrate what he has done for us. But this week, as we go about our our way, I want you to really consider and bring to the forefront the conscious of your mind that you are walking and living in the presence of God. Open your eyes and see him as he truly is. Father, we're so grateful that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And Lord, now we just pray that you would, as a result of us meeting here together in your presence, that you would draw us closer to you and make us more like you. And Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name, amen.